Heard this morning? Yeah. Excellent. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Gary. And along with my wife, Jane, we pastor the church here at Infuse. Got a great team around us and uh, really do appreciate them. But more than that, we appreciate uh, you. We love you and care about you. We think that you are an amazing people. And it is an honor and a privilege to serve you with our leadership gift. And we thank God for his call and uh, for his anointing upon our lives as we do what we do. So thank you. So here we go. Ready? This is uh, part two of uh, some messages I've felt on my heart, uh, simply called Embracing a Spirit-Led Life. Uh, If you want to hear part one, just check out our iTunes uh, site on uh, iPhone or whatever you call it, uh, or listen to it on uh, our website, and you can listen to part one. Uh, But this is uh, part two of... uh, Embracing a spirit-led life. John 14, 12 says this, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do and even greater miracles than these. I love that. I think that's just a statement that sets the bar. It's a statement that Jesus says, You know what? What I'm doing right here, what I'm doing right now is available to you. What he was doing is available to us. When you start to think about what Jesus did, when you start to understand the way that he lived his life, the way that he changed the world around him, and today we live in the continuing change of that world because of Jesus being here on this earth, you start to understand the significance of what he was saying. And uh, the way that he lived was simply being in relationship with the Holy Spirit and embraced the Holy Spirit with his complete being and he went around doing incredible things. And I just want to encourage us as a church to embrace the spirit-led life. I believe that, the, that our lives and our community can be different when we start to truly embrace a spirit-led life. It's, something that, it's not just about something that's available to us, but it's an empowered lifestyle that Christ wants to make available to us. Jesus said the spirit life is available to us all. And it's about embracing a spirit-led life. Something happened to the people in the early church. Uh, when they, they embraced a spirit-led life, they encountered a culture that was radically different from anything that they'd ever previously experienced in their lives. They experienced a lifestyle that didn't restrict them or put them down, but rather a lifestyle that the Spirit of God released in and through them. It was a lifestyle of power, of grace, of forgiveness, and of growth that is still happening today. We're a part of the early church. Did you know that? I think that's incredible. I think it's an amazing thing to start to realize and understand. We are the, a part of that early church. Okay, I'll, I'll keep going. So here's a, a little context for this morning's passage out of Acts chapter 1 and 2. It says Jesus, uh, you know, we understand that he ascended into heaven. Okay? He left behind his disciples and he gave them instructions to, to, to wait until they were endued with power from on high. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost came. And, and Peter stands up and he speaks to the people in, in Jerusalem there and he's led by the Holy Spirit. And 3,000 get saved that day and they get baptized and they become the church. I love that. I think it's just an incredible thing. Now, this is no ordinary church. It's not a, a religious church where it focused on what they could and couldn't do. It wasn't a church for spectators where you simply watched everyone else live this lifestyle. It was something that you actually invested yourself in and became a part of that church as well. It wasn't about a building. 
It was about the body of Christ. It was led by and embraced the the Holy Spirit in relationship, and they lived a kingdom lifestyle. And as we look at the early church and what they experienced embracing the Spirit-led life, I believe that we too can experience this, this kingdom lifestyle if we will embrace the person of the Holy Spirit in yieldedness, in submission, in surrender, and, and radical obedience to what he's saying. See, it, it just all, all you need to do to embrace this is to make a decision and then have the discipline to back the decision up. There's just two, two things you need. That's all you, I'm going to embrace whatever it is that God, by His Holy Spirit, is asking me to do, and then I'm just going to have the discipline, Lord, I'm going to do this. I am going to do this. It doesn't matter how I look. It doesn't matter how I feel. If you're saying it, Lord God, then I'm going to do that. And I love what Paul said, uh, Paul down here in the, in the front, not Paul in here. I love what he said as well, but I love what Paul said this morning in our VIP. I don't, I'll just keep digging, keep digging. It's cool. So it's, I love what he said, you know, it's, it's, uh, and I've completely forgotten what he said, but no, it's all right. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He, it's, this, it's this whole thing about, you know, being radically obedient. He says, because uh, he, he gave the illustration of Jesus turning the water into the wine. And it wasn't about that. It was just simply that these servants heard what Jesus said and they did what he said. And it was as simple as it comes down to that. Now, no matter how wacky or way out what it is that the Holy Spirit asked us to do, we do it. But it can be in just simply the simplest, normalest thing that we would do anyway. Because Jesus doesn't different or de- deviate too much from how we are wired. He's going to talk to you in a way that is how you're wired. Sometimes he will talk outside of that. But on the whole, generally, he will talk to you about something that you know, you're already thinking about. He'll, he'll help you to, to step out in ways that you're already wired. And I think that's encouraging because he knows how you listen. He knows how you pay attention. And he's going to work with that, not going to fight against it. Because he wants this message out more than you do. He wants to touch the world around about us more than we do. He he gave his son. God the Father gave his son for this community in which we live, no matter where it is that you live in the Adelaide Hills. And Jesus wants to touch and release his offer of relationship with the Father more than we do. And I think that's an incredible thing. So I'm going to take some, some points out of uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47 from the Bible this morning. Lord God, thank you that he's taken it from somewhere. So Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says this. All the believers devoted themselves. Everyone say devoted themselves. Devoted, they didn't do it because they were cajoled, made to feel guilty by their pastor. It wasn't because they were pushed, shoved, kicked. They were like, you know, bribed. They devoted who? Themselves. They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe. Everyone say deep sense of awe. Everyone say deep sense of awe. Came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together. Everyone say met together. In one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money, money uh, with those in need. They worshipped together. Say worshipped together. At the temple each day. Met in the homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord had added to their fellowship those who were 
being saved. Father, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you bring illumination, revelation, transformation as a result of your word. Holy Spirit, speak to us all, myself included, Lord, how we can embrace a spirit-led life in Jesus' name. And everyone said, number one, embracing a spirit-led life, is it opens up to us, number one, a hunger for the things of the spirit. Embracing a spirit-led life is going to open us up to a hunger for the things of God. It's going to open us up to it. It's going to expose us to it. It's going to create within us this passion, this hunger for the things of God. Because it says all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to sharing in meals. They, they, these Christians devoted themselves. They caught a glimpse of something and they said, I've got to go after this. I, I want this with every fiber of my being. I want to pursue what God wants for me. I want to pursue the things of God. And it created a, a hunger in them for spiritual things. All the believers devoted themselves. All the believers devoted themselves. All the believers devoted themselves. To pursue the things of the Spirit. They embraced the person of the Holy Spirit. And, they, and he led them on a life of leaning into the apostles' teaching. He created within them a hunger to know more about God. And the apostles, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, begin to unfold what God's like. How he operates. The things that he says. The way that he touches people's lives. The way that he releases anointing. And, and the way that he releases healing and things into the community. And, and touches people's lives and changes people's lives. You know, he led them into that, of doing life with others, into fellowship, being connected with people. You know, this is, a, this is one of the great benefits of embracing a spirit-led life is that we can do life with people. We can, we can connect. We're not going to isolate ourselves. That's the thing I love about God. God's not into isolation, but he's into fellowship. He's in us to come in together. He's into connection with each other. And now he goes on, he says, that, you know, to sharing what they had. I love that about God's people, God is generous. Why shouldn't his people be generous too? And, he, and I love this as well. He, they leaned into prayer. They leaned into just simply wanting to be with God and having him talk to them and them talking to him and just sometimes just sitting together in silence. Some of the most great times that I've enjoyed with Jane is where we just sat down together and just enjoyed the view. We haven't said a thing. We've sat on our front porch and we've just looked out at our garden and we just enjoyed the moment. We haven't said a thing. We've just been there enjoying the company. And I believe God wants us to enjoy that with him. Sometimes you don't have to say a thing. You just It's in the moment. Sometimes you, know, you just go for it. You, know, you, you, you talk about stuff and you, you interact with God. But that's one of the things that is this hunger for the things of the Spirit. There was a hunger in them that fed on spiritual things. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. They were hungry for, for God and his kingdom, uh, what he has to offer and what they could do to partner together with God and, and seeing happen in the world. I think that's a wonderful thing to happen as a result of embracing a spirit-led life. I think God's worth pursuing. I think God's worth pursuing, church. Pursuit is the evidence of desire. Pursuit is the evidence of desire. If you've got a desire for God, it's going to show up in the way that you pursue Him. The way that you pursue Him in, 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 in prayer, in just coming into His Word and, and blessing other people. It's going to show itself out in, in, in those ways. 
Paul draws a distinct contrast between those who are in Christ and those who are not in Christ. In Philippians 3 verses 18 to 19 it says, For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows that they really are enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things and they think only about this life here on earth. Saints, we've got to embrace the spirit-led life. Most of us have tasted of what the world offers. We know, most of us, the things that it does, you know, it's, it's, it's superficial, it's, it's fleeting, it's fickle, it's fake, it's false, it's filled with self. And I couldn't think of anything else with F. The more our lives are controlled by the embracing of the Holy Spirit, the more hungry we become for the things of God. So this morning, how about you do a quick assessment? Just do a quick internal assessment. When was the last time we were hungry for the Word of God? I mean, hungry for the Word. You've probably never seen me at a mealtime. Don't get between me and the food. That's all I can say. Don't get between me and the food. You'll get hurt. I'm playing with you, okay? So just, just settle, pedal. Okay, there's this thing about the hunger for the, the things of God. When were we last hungry for the word of God? For worship. For going for a walk with Jesus. For sharing our faith with people who don't know Jesus. When was the last time we couldn't wait to get to church or into our connect group? Because we knew that God was going to use us in an amazing way or had already done something in our lives and we just wanted to tell someone about it. When was the last time we had this hunger for the things of God? When was the last time you had that? This morning? This week? Last night? Last month? How about just... Making a decision this morning that this week you're going to work. Just going to work a little bit. And just coming back into this fellowship with God and just, just having this hunger for the things of God again. Is that a good thing? I think that's a good thing. Number two, embracing the spirit-led life leads us to the powerful presence of God. Oh, oh. Leads us to the powerful presence of God. Acts 2.43 says this. It says, a deep sense of awe. Everyone say that. A deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. You know what? I really believe that signs and wonders are wonderful things. And I believe that when we are immersed in the Spirit of God, that those things will flow naturally out of our lives. Because it's a natural part of what the Holy Spirit does anyway. But the reality of the power in this early church was that it flowed from the powerful presence of God. See, I believe that the order of this verse is really important. It says that a deep sense of awe came over all of those apostles. Then they performed miraculous signs and wonders. You see, first... It was about relationship with the powerful presence of God. It's about relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's about getting to know Him and having an awe about who He is and what He does for us. 
I don't know about you, but I was a sinner, but now I'm not. I'm a saint in Jesus. Once I was blind, but now I see. Once I was dead, but now I'm alive. Now, I don't know about you, but that creates in me a sense of awe at what God can do in a person's life. Maybe I'll just preach over this side. These, these guys are just, they're, they're listening. They're listening over here. Come on, church. Come on, this is what it, you know, it's this incredible God that we have when we start to see who he is and what he can do in our lives and our families, how we can restore, he can redeem, he can renew, he can refresh, he can refire. There's no retirement in the kingdom of God. There's only refiring. All of the older ones are saying, yes, amen. Maybe not. Okay. Okay. See, these, these, these apostles had a revelation of God so powerful that the power of heaven flowed through them. They had such a relationship with the Lord that they were captured by the presence of God and they were filled with awe. That's where we get the word awesome from. Awe, you know, whoa, 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 man, bodacious. I watched way too many movies. Sorry. They had a holy reverential awe at the presence and the person of Almighty God. I love Psalm 145. I camp there and I I, I speak it out very, very often. Psalm 145 verse 5 says this. I'll meditate. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. First it's about him, then it's about what he does. If if we can just start to to focus on on who God is and what he does, I think that life may go a little bit smoother. I I think that, that life is not there to be endured, but enjoyed. It's when we start to see Jesus and God the Father and the person of the Holy Spirit for who they truly are. And then we start to understand the things that he's doing in us and around the world. That what he's doing for someone down the street, he can do for you. As we embrace this spirit-led life, we, we come to understand the powerful presence of God. First the presence and then the, the power will flow. When, when, when we embrace the spirit-led life, we'll be amazed at the power of God to transform the world around us. When was the last time we had a sense of the awe at the presence of God? Embracing the spirit-led life will ensure we never lose sight of the awesomeness of God, His goodness, His grace, He's generous, He's gifted, and He wants to give those things to us. He wants those things to flow out of our lives. Amen? Third thing, embracing a spirit-led life encourages us to do life with others. It encourages us to do life with others. In Acts chapter 2, verse 44, it says, All the believers met together. Everyone say, met together. They met together in one place and shared everything they had. Hey, sh- I just encourage you, come to my house, you've got fridge rights, raid the fridge, I don't care. Go for it. Enjoy it. Yeah, you have to cook it, yeah. But then again, I'm going to lean into what you can do then. Embracing a spirit-led life draws us out of ourselves and promotes and prompts us to do life with other people. 
I'm not talking about a superficial life, like, hey, how you going? You're really good. Okay, see you. I think that this spirit-led life leads us to saying, you know what? Let's do life together. I'm going to be open and honest with you. I'm going to say things how things are. Now, I'm going to say a little word of caution here. Just be wise about that. Like, you know, you don't need to be telling the intimate, most personal details of your life to the town gossip. All right? It's probably not a wise thing. But, you know, God will draw people alongside of us that we can connect with intimately, appropriately, because God wants us to do life together. God is about building and increasing, and we can only do that in relationship with other people. See, the early church didn't just worship together. They cared about each other. They truly came to love each other, even in the midst of their differences. They spent time together. They shared and and cared for each other and with each other. They were healthy signs of a faithful friendship and fellowship together. They weren't content to share space. They wanted to share each other's lives. And I believe that our church, I believe, is one of the most friendly that you'll find. I think that there's a great sense of belonging that people find. They, they find this friendliness and warmth when people and, and guests come here for the first time. But I've got to say, church, we've got to take it to another level. We've got to take it to another level. That on the, on the Monday to the Saturday, we've got to start to invite people to, into our world. We've got to start to embrace each other and start to, 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 to like walk through life with people. If we're to truly have significance in this community, we've got to take this to another level. That's why I believe our connect groups are so important. I really believe that with all my heart. It says in Acts 4 verse 32 that all the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned wasn't their own and they shared everything that they had. Verse 34 of that same chapter says that there were many who uh, they, they had no needy people among them. Why? Because they had people around them that cared. They met needs together. We believe our connect groups are a place where people can connect more deeply and meet the needs of those people in the group. They're a source of support and strength. They're a place that we can learn to love unconditionally, that we can mess up and people still like us. See, the world's way is you mess up and you're written off. That attitude shouldn't be in the church. We can learn to laugh at ourselves and life. We can link arms together when we're under attack and, and lean on others for support. We can lead people to love Jesus and live by embracing a spirit-led life. If you're not in a connect group, can I encourage you to give them a shot? Okay? I want you to commit to a connect group. Okay? I, I want you to search one out. And here's the deal. Okay? I'll make you a guarantee. I, I, I guarantee that if you will invest yourself into a connect group for 12 months, your life will be completely different. I, I believe that that's a guarantee. I believe that you can, you can, I can guarantee that. Because you will discover people that will love you unconditionally. And even if they don't, you go to the next group. I believe that if, if you'll invest yourself in a connect group, give us 12 months. Give them a real shot. Don't just go along and give them lip service. Don't give them, go along and just, uh, I'm just here because Gary gave me this challenge for 12 months. Like, invest yourself. Get serious about it. Get to know the people there. 
get to, you know, like to walk through life with them. Open up your own life to a degree as you feel safe to do that. They're a place of safety at Connect Groups. And I encourage us this morning, if you're not in a Connect Group, get in one, and I believe that it'll help you immensely. And you won't recognize some of the things that you've come through where sometimes things would have just floored you. This time, because you're a part of a connect group, you had a group of people around you who rallied and supported you during that difficult time. Amen? Fourth thing is that we can embracing a spirit-led life is where worship becomes a passion. Where worship becomes a passion. It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 46, they worship together at the temple regularly each day. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, these people loved to worship. And I've got to be honest, when you start to see who God is, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? They loved to spend time in the presence of God through worship. They were hungry for the fellowship of the word and to worship. Sadly, today, church has become something really is no longer seen as a priority. Studies have shown that people now call themselves a regular church attender if they only come one in every four weeks. That is the new regular. That's sad. That's sad. Now, I think that the church has a responsibility to be relevant to the community, but not going to change our message. Our message is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Salvation is found in no one else other than Jesus. But we can say that in a whole new way that is relevant to our community. The the facility that you sit in today, we are trying to make relevant to our community, but the message you'll hear over this pulpit is always going to be the same. That's salvation is no other person than Jesus. See, attending church now competes with sporting activities, with sleeping in. So it begs the question of why should we go to church? Why should we worship? Well, I'm glad you've asked. So this, I've, I've put this together with the, the help of a guy by the name of Pastor Rich Langton. Uh, he put together a blog. He's the, one of the uh, pastor who actually oversees the global creative team for Hillsong Church. And this was on his blog. And he came up with 99 reasons why we should go to church. Are you ready? Here we go. And I've got five minutes on each. No, I haven't. Uh, I'm just going to like pick a few out because I think that they're, they're, they're really like good. So if you want... Check out 99 reasons why you need to go to church instead of the one reason which says, oh, I've got to go to do sport today or no, I've got to sleep in. That's just two reasons. I mean, there's other reasons and you know, stuff like that happens. And, but when it's regular, when it becomes a, a pattern for your life that you're not going to church on a regular basis, I, I'm, I've got to say, I, I, I struggle with that. Are you okay? I'm, I'm, I'll be real with you this morning. Is that all right? I, I understand work. That's fine. I I understand shift work and all those things, and you can only do what you can do, you know, because you've got to earn a quid. Fine. 
99 reasons. Number one, the Bible indicates what we should do. Hebrews 10, verse 25. Forsake not the gathering together of yourselves, right? Number two, we will have the opportunity to worship God. Number four, the preaching of the Bible will help set the direction for our lives. Anyone need direction this morning? You need to be in church regularly. Okay? Number seven, being there is a sign of discipleship. It means you're a maturing Christian. You're growing up. Any growing Christians here? About three. Fantastic. So, uh, number, number nine, we'll be encouraged in our walk with God. Number 11, if we're single, you might meet someone new. <laughs> number, number 12, it'll help us define what we believe. Number 13, it'll help us understand the Bible. Anyone here understand the Bible completely? Therefore, I need to be in church regularly. Number 20, it'll help us look outside of ourselves. Number 22, we'll receive love from other people. Number 23, we'll be able to show love towards other people. Number 25, we'll be prayed for. Number 26, we can pray for others. Number 33, it honors God. Number 41, it'll help us reorder our priorities. Number 44, it'll remind us that we have nothing to fear. Number 51, it helps to promote a happy marriage. Who wants a happy marriage? How come all the husbands are going, you put your hand on like that? (laughs) Number 53, it will help us improve our self-esteem. Number 63, it may keep us out of trouble. That's a good reason right there, isn't it? I thought it was anyway. Number 69, it'll encourage creativity. Number 72, because we want to go. I don't have to go to church. I get to go to church. I want to go to church. Come on. Why wouldn't I mean, this is a great atmosphere. I'm enjoying me preaching. That's great. That's fantastic. I think there's a good reason right there. Number 80, real forgiveness is found there. Number 82, we'll meet like-minded people. Number 83, Jesus will be there. I don't know why that's number 83 just quietly, but you know. <laughs> but I didn't put it together. I'm just reading it out. Number 94, it will bring joy to our life. And number 99, it will literally change your life for eternity. That's some great reasons, isn't it? If you want the full reasons of the list of 29, I can actually give you those if you want. Uh, you're more than happy to, to read them out before you know, you're saying, look, I've got to go to sport on Sunday, see the Crows or power play. But I'll make an exception. You can go and see Manchester United play. No, you can't. <laughs> no, you can't. See, when we embrace a spirit-led life, worship is no longer a duty or something that we have to do. Okay. Rather, it becomes something that we actually live for. It becomes a passion for us. Any passionate worshippers here this morning? Any passionate worshippers here in this morning? Any passionate worshippers here this morning? He's worthy of worship. He's worthy of praise. You know, we live to give worship to the Father. We actually get to worship Him. I can't believe the freedom we have in Australia that we actually get to worship Jesus. 
We actually are allowed to do that and there's no law against it. I think that's wonderful. Embracing a spirit-led life will result in us experiencing, number five, the power of a God story. The power of a God story. Acts 2.47 says, Having favor with all the people. They praised God and they had favor with all the people. In other words, they had this story to tell about who God was and what God could do. The testimony of this church was making an impact on their community. The people in the community were being impacted by the power of their testimony. It was their God story about what God had done. What people, uh, you know, they were able to touch their community in a positive way. I think that's an, an amazing thing to have happen. Here's the deal though. To have a God story is going to mean that at some point we have to take a risk for God. At some point, if you want a testimony, if, you, if you're wanting a God story that you can share with people in your connect group or in church on a Sunday or with your family and friends and say, guess what God did? Well, you've got to do something so that God can did. <laughs> Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. That's spelled risk. It's spelled risk. Step out, baby. Come on. Just take a risk for God. A word of prophetic encouragement. Healing, helping, honoring someone as we embrace the Holy Spirit for his direction and his guidance in life. We live among a people who don't believe in Christ. They need to hear about Christ. I was with a gentleman this week. We went out to the community prayer breakfast, and it was just a great event. I'll just really encourage you, like when the next one comes up, be a part of it. It's so encouraging. But as we're sitting around the table having breakfast, this gentleman pulls out one of the, the, the cards, that were the blue cards, the invitation cards that we have for church. He just leaned across the table and gave it to this lady who was sitting at our table having breakfast with us. She said, and he said, look, this is my, my business card. You know, this is the, the place I go to on a, on a Sunday morning. It's a fantastic place. You know, I'd just like to invite you. It was that easy. And she took the card, stuck it in her purse. That was taking a risk. Dead easy. I think we could all do that at some point. Reach out and pray for someone. See, Matthew 5 verse 16 says, Let your light shine, uh, so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. See, the reality is that many still live in darkness because they have no idea what the, the light really is like. They don't know what it's like. But as we embrace the, the person of the Holy Spirit and lead his, a lifestyle that's led by the Spirit, then we will gain courage and boldness and touch someone's life with the love of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you right now that when we start to truly embrace a Spirit-led life, you won't be able to shut up about Jesus. There'll be a fire that's caught up in your bones and in your spirit that you won't be able to help yourself. You, you've just got to have to tell someone about what God's doing and how good he really is. That's what having a, a spirit-led life, you know, embracing that, that spirit-led life, because when we embrace the person of the Holy Spirit, just something, just something on the inside starts to, to well up within you. You've got to tell someone. There's just something within your spirit, something within your heart just rises up within you. And there's this, this, this passion, you, you just, he's alive. He's alive. And he, he's relevant to today. 
He's got hope for today. There's, there's something that Jesus can do in your circumstance today. Embracing a spirit-led life lets us shine for Jesus in a way that is attractive to the world that we live in, so much so that they will want what we have. It's the power of a God story. That's what the early church had. And this leads to kingdom growth. Number six, embracing a spirit-led life will lead to kingdom growth. Acts 2.47 says, And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. This is the true focus of the Christian life, that we bear fruit for the kingdom. I'd love to see this church grow through people being saved. Okay? I'll say that straight up front. But I'm going to say something else. But kingdom growth is more than just about infused church. See, you're going to talk to people and they're not going to come to this church. They're going to go to a different church. But if they're in in relationship with Jesus, I celebrate that. I celebrate. The kingdom of God gets bigger. The kingdom of God gets bigger. The kingdom of God gets bigger. I'm... I love infused church, but it's not about filling infused church. It's about populating heaven. It's about populating heaven. That's why, like having Dan here last Sunday morning, it's about kingdom church. It's about kingdom. I love that we're a part of a a great denomination, but I think it's even more awesomer that we're a part of the kingdom of God. And I'm not anti-denomination stuff. I think they're fantastic. They have a great place to play. But they're not the ultimate. Kingdom of God is the ultimate. See, we've come to believe that church is about us. Well, it is and it isn't. I believe that the church should be a place where it's a fueling stop for us to come along to get topped up and then to shoot straight back out into the traffic flow and to affect our communities with the love of Jesus Christ. Jesus died that we could live. So that we could be born again. Jesus died for a purpose, a powerful purpose. And now it's our turn. So as we embrace the Spirit-led life, the Holy Spirit will help us reach people who are far from God. Help them to see and hear and experience the life transformation that only Jesus can bring so that they are born again. What are we willing to give our lives for? What are we willing to give our lives for? What are we willing to die for? Seeing eternity bloom in the hearts of someone who doesn't know Jesus is worth giving our lives for. Acts 5 verse 14 in the Amplified Bible says, More and more there were being added to the Lord those who believed, those who acknowledged Jesus as their Savior and devoted themselves to Him, joined and gathered with them crowds of both men and women. See, that's one of the reasons we've got space for names up the church and the front here now. See, I I believe that, you know, God honors this stuff. It's a step of faith. These are the people we're believing to come to Christ. We're going to name them. I'm praying for that person specifically to come to Christ. So here's the deal. Grab a card. Write that person's name on the card. Put it on the wall. Grab another card. Write that same person's name on that card and stick it in your your wallet or your pocket or your, your purse. 
Use it as a reminder. I'm praying for this person. I'm praying for opportunities. In our connect groups, we are going to ask all of our connect groups to make space in their time together to specifically ask, hey, Jane, how did you go catching up with uh, that lady that you you filled that card out for? Did you manage to catch up with her this week? Fantastic. Let's continue to pray for more opportunities like that. It's where the connect group comes together to encourage us in our journey. It's where accountability happens. Say Jane said she didn't have a chance to catch up. Did you have a chance to catch up with someone? Let's believe for an opportunity this week. Let's believe that you're going to have an opportunity to share the love of Jesus in some way with that person this week. It's a place of encouragement. It's a place where we can come together, hold each other accountable in a good way. It's not like, you know, say, oh, did did you catch up with such and such this week? No, no, no. Well, you should try harder, man. Come on. I mean, that's, that's the way I would do it. No, it wouldn't be. But it's not about that. We're not about making people feel guilty. We want to pe- encourage people in the journey. We want to encourage people to share our faith. The devil's got us hoodwinked into thinking that it's hard. It's not. you just got to get over yourself. I said that with love. So here's the deal. What's stopping us from embracing a spirit-led life today? There's only one answer. We are. No devil in hell can stop you. But we can. So here's my encouragement. Don't let it anymore. Don't let yourself get in the way of of you leading this and embracing this spirit-led life. This week, make time. Make time to hear from the person of the Holy Spirit. Embrace him. He's a person. He's a person. He loves you. He he wants to fill you and overflow you and touch your life, but he wants to touch other people through you. Become a conduit through which he flows. I guarantee you, you're in for the ride of a lifetime. You're in for an adventure that is full of surprise. It's, It's going to be difficult at times, sure. But there's going to be people around you that are going to support you. There's going to be people that encourage you in the journey. There's going to be an incredible God that's right behind you and in front of you, making and clearing the way for you to do things. You know, I, I, I heard a, a, state, a stat um, a few weeks ago, and I think I shared it, about George Barner. He says of the American people, he took a survey of American people. He said that nine out of ten uh, Christian Americans will die without ever having led one person to Christ. Nine out of ten. And I don't think Australia is too different from that. You know what? I want to lead someone to Jesus. Can, can, can I put a, a goal out for us all this morning? This morning, can we believe that in the next 12 months, okay, 12 months, we're going to aim to lead one person to Christ? Just one. Just one person. We're going to pray for them. Their name's going to be on the board. When we get together in our connect group, that's going to be the focus of prayer from me. I'm believing for this person to get born again. Some of you need to put your family members up there and put it on the board. Lord, would you create an opportunity? Because I think that the opportunity may not come through you, but someone who's in their world. Because sometimes we're too close. To be able to speak into them. 
and we need someone that God institutes and, and brings alongside of them and says, hey, I don't know where you're standing so far as spiritual things are concerned, but I wanted to tell you that God loves you. And you've been telling them for ages. But suddenly they hear it from a stranger and it penetrates their heart and they become born again. (laughs) Come on, baby. I'm preaching myself happy. I think it's great that God can do that. I think he just does it in spite of us. I think it's great. Heavenly Father, let's stand. Let's stand. I'm done. I hope that helped you this morning. I hope that inspired you in some way to embrace a spirit-led life. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, creator of the heavens and the earth, we thank you for your wonderful presence. Holy Spirit, come and fill us afresh this morning. Overflow us with your goodness. Overflow us with your, your might and your goodness and your favor and your blessing. And Father, your health. Overflow every area of our lives. Help us to embrace you in a very real and practical way. Lord, give us time this week. Prompt us. Move upon us. Nudge us to embrace you this week and to walk constantly with you and to be obedient to what you're asking us to do. We believe that you want to to use us to see our family and friends saved. We believe that you want to use us to bring reformation to our community, Lord God, to see revival happen across the Adelaide Hills. Father, would you use us this week? Would you help us to embrace a spirit-led life in a way that is practical and just helps people to see you for who you truly are? And we pray that in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everyone said...